Hey, ringers, you are listening to an older episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you're on a total binge and this is your 50th, thank you. You are already a ringer in our hearts. You'll hear more about ringers in future episodes. And you'll hear in season six that we launched a Patreon community for amazing ringers just like you. But because this is an older episode, you're not yet privy to that information. And we didn't want you to miss out, so please accept our invitation to join us at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash P-A-R-O-I. Patreon is a membership platform that allows amazing listeners like you to support fun-loving creatives like us in a really big way. Yeah, you can become a supporter for as little as two bucks a month, and we've got some amazing benefits for you, like getting your questions answered, one-on-ones with Danielle and I, and a ton more. All are welcome, and we can't thank you enough for your support. Okay, now on to the show. You know what really bums me out? That there is a ton of customization available for brides and bridesmaids for their wedding attire. But when it comes to us guys, it seems like we've got way less options. That's why we love the Naughty Tie Company. Not naughty as in naughty, but naughty as in, you know, tying the knot. Yeah. Anyway, the Naughty Tie Company has ties, bow ties, and pocket squares that are totally customizable. You can match colors or patterns to things like bridesmaids dresses, flowers, your table linens, or really whatever you'd like. And everything is printed and sewn right in Denver, Colorado, which is nowhere near us here in Philly, but that's not the point. So if you go to NaughtyTie.com slash ring, they are going to hook you up with free design service from one of their amazing designers. That's easily like $20 you're going to save just for being a Put A Ring On A Podcast listener. That's K-N-O-T-T-Y-T-I-E dot com slash R-I-N-G. Welcome to the Put Ariana Podcast, a podcast for the A-plus gold sticker couple. I'm Daniel Pasternak, wedding planner and backseat driver. And I'm Daniel Moyer, wedding photographer and John Krasinski lookalike. Let's do this. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode 35 of the Put Ariana Podcast. How are you, Dan? <laughs> That was good. That was such a peppy, beautiful introduction for such like a, not a heavy thing, but like a, you know, something that we're we're all going to talk about and go through, which is wedding stress. Are we going to unpack this topic, Dan? I did not peel say back that, the but veil. yes, we're going to unpack this topic about wedding stress, how it happens, why it happens. Yeah, I yeah. think... Um, I think it's important to talk about this stuff because we all experience it, whether it's wedding planning stress or other stress in our life. And I think finding the root cause of what's stressing us out helps to diffuse the stress in a lot of cases. Because if you can find right. the cause and and recognize it, you take that pressure off of like, what's wrong with me? And then right. you start realizing like, oh, this is what's going on. How can I fix it? So yeah. that's really the point what of today's episode. So what are the major areas that you see causing couples stress? I think, well, I think the biggest one for most of us would be money. Yeah. So besides money, I think there's also other areas, uh, things like worrying about pleasing everyone, yep. having the spotlight on you if you're not a person that really enjoys that. And then I think there's also a big pressure of 
perfection, which I put in bunny ears. Um, So those are all things that we're going to talk about a little bit more. And then towards the end of this episode, I'd also like to talk about dealing with that stress. We're going to talk through it quite a bit as we go through each thing as well. But um, just some things that Dan and I have found in our personal lives and in our relationships as well that have worked really, really well. Um, These aren't just things that we're saying. It's things that we like fully stand behind and believe in and have seen work for us and for other people too. Yeah, so let's talk about that first one, money. Um, money, 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 money. I'm uh, doing the like the hand sign where you like all the money gets thrown up in the air. Yeah, like, have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah, making yes. it rain. Yeah, making it rain. Oh, you hip, you hip, you hip child, you. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten with your lingo. Um, I've before. I'm not going to say why. Uh, gotten a couple of stacks of one hundred one dollar bills, not for a strip club. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh. Um, so I've gotten lots and lots of ones. And just for the purpose of making it rain, I unpacked one of them and just literally did the, the making it mess. rain thing. I did. It was really fun. It was really fun. Um, That's awesome. But uh, so let's talk about money and why money causes the biggest amount of stress. The, the, the first thing I just want to say is I think the thing that I really want to drive home is that the amount of money you spend on your wedding has no relation to the strength of your relationship or, or how happy your marriage will be. So whether you spend a million dollars on your wedding or $500 that has no effect on, on how long lasting, how much you love your significant other, how important they are to you, none of that has any effect on your actual relationship and your marriage. Mm -hmm. As long as, I guess with an asterisk, I have to say that as long as you're both on the same page with how much money you're comfortable spending. And I think as with everything that goes comes down to having that conversation early on once you get engaged and you start the planning process, having that conversation early on about money. Know what you're comfortable spending and know what your priorities are because those things are going to help shape all of the decisions you're going to make while you're engaged. Every single decision is going to basically come down to either your budget or your priorities and how those things um, are going to really shape the day itself. Yeah, and we have two episodes that you should definitely go back to and check out. Um, It's still our our most popular episode, episode number two, which is called It's Your Party for Everyone Else. Um, That's an excellent episode. And then also check out um, episode 11, which is uh, on budget, which is that's actually part one of budgeting. And then episode 21, which is called The Wedding Budget. And it's kind of we go back and and expand more on budgeting and how you should take care of it. in addition to communicating, just just really being organized with your finances as well when it comes to the budget. So whether that's creating a spreadsheet, whether that's writing it out longhand, and just understanding that towards the end of your wedding planning process, there's there's going to be things that might just add up and unexpected expenses. So when you're creating that spreadsheet or that list, maybe add a little a little line item that just says miscellaneous and add a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks. And just, if you don't end up using it, that's amazing. You are awesome. You are, look at you, you little saver. That's amazing. Um, (laughs) but just know that like that might happen. It's good to have that extra thousand, 2000, whatever in the budget. Um, so that way it doesn't come out of, out of, out of nothing that you don't end up going over. It's already been in the budget. Like Mm -hmm. really quick, Rachel and I, uh, right before we got married, we ended up 
accidentally spending another $5,000 in like the last two weeks before our wedding. And we, we sort of planned for that. So like, it wasn't terrible, but like we, we just had all these little things that we ended up wanting to do things like, Oh, this would be a good idea. And we should do this and we should do this. And you know, we swiped like $5,000 worth of money on our credit card and we uh, just finished paying it off. So that's great. Um, but you know, it, it was part of our budget. Um, well, it was a little more than our budget, but it was not a huge deal because we ended up pr- planning and preparing and understanding where that money was coming from. Right. It wasn't one of you at the end going, oh, by the way, sweetheart, I just spent an extra $5,000 and a person going, right. wait, what now? So yeah. that's, I think, a big part of it. And I think a lot of times uh, a conversation I have early on with a lot of couples is, is what is your budget? What is, where are you falling in that? And it's not uncommon for me to hear that, well, we really don't have a budget. And that's where I kick back all the time and say, yeah, you do. There's a number that if I were to say it right now, you would go, oh gosh, no, no, we're not spending that much. Or, you know what I mean? Like, oh no, we're going to spend, we're going to spend more than that. And I really think it's important to think of your wedding as if you're buying a house or, or a car. You wouldn't look at million dollar mansions if your budget for a house was only $150,000. You wouldn't test drive a Porsche or a Bugatti or whatever fancy cars there are out there if you could only afford a Toyota Corolla. Well, maybe you'd, you'd test drive it, <laughs> <laughs> but only if the dealer let you and that's really about as far as it would go. So it's it's really it's really important, I think, to, to come up with a number or even a range uh, to work off of and then break it down from there. And I really, I really feel strongly that just because it's a once in a lifetime day, it, it does not mean that you should spend any more than you are comfortable in order to fully enjoy it. Because really what ends up happening is you end up spending way more than you're comfortable, which leads to stress and fighting, which means you're actually not enjoying it. So now you're investing a lot. And on top of that, you're not even enjoying the process. So like, it's 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 so important to have that conversation early on together yeah. and with whomever is is contributing to the wedding as well because that's another dynamic which i guess we can we can talk about that too dan yeah um all right so weddings have a lot of traditions and opinions and things behind them right like and it it affects more than the couple and i think that oftentimes that can lead to worrying about pleasing everybody, right? Like, and Danielle, I know that by nature you're a people pleaser, right? Big time. I'm, yes. I am most happy when I'm making the people around me happy. Um, it's exactly what I do, my, what, I, what I do. It's my job, it's my career, and it's for a reason. <laughs> but I have been, you know, doing a lot of uh, soul searching and, and doing a lot of like inward looking. And I've, very much learning that in order to genuinely make others happy, you really have to first be happy with yourself and, and your yeah. choices and your your world around you. Well, maybe you can't really control your world around you, but the, the stuff you can control, you really have to be genuinely happy with that at the start. And yeah. I think if you are similar and you, you want to please people, um, I think this is definitely one of those things that adds to stress if you're not able to sort of reel it in and refocus. Yeah, that's a, a really beautiful insight. I'm glad you shared that one. Um, well, thank you. And I would again have to point you back to episode two. It's your party for everyone else um, where we really, you know, pick apart, um, you know, how this wedding day is uh, about you and your partner. But it's also a, 
a time for all of your guests who are taking off work, who are traveling, who are um, there to celebrate with you. And it's it's your way of designing an experience for them. So let's let me let me unpack this a little bit more. <laughs> um, all right. So ultimately, everything on the wedding day is up to the couple. Right. Um you get to design the wedding day however you see fit um, based on your lifestyle, your personality, what you think your guests will like. Uh, you know, it, it's based on your affinity for like the things you love about life, the the experience you want to create for your wedding guests. Now, there are other people who are invested in your wedding day, right? Like it affects more people than just you. Uh, it affects more people than just the two of you. So there are other people's opinions if you look at your own wedding situation that you may have to take into account and it it is your day and you get to decide exactly what you want to do and exactly how you want to design this it is a nice nod to whoever those people who are who are invested in your day to honor them in some way you know so say your parents are are paying or they're paying a, a, a substantial amount what what type of say do they get if if they're adding into the big pot of money that's paying. So how, how would you honor them? Um, ultimately, I, like I said, I think it's the couple who gets to, who gets the final say, but it is a nice way to just give a little tip of the hat, a little thank you to whoever else is invested. I think it's nice too. Um, as you go through the process, if there's something that someone is sort of really pushing back on or really pushing for, maybe that's a good time to have a conversation with them or step back yourself and say like, why is this so important to them? Like maybe talk with them a little bit more. Maybe they don't understand where you're coming from. Maybe you don't understand where they're coming from. And maybe once you open those lines of communication a little bit more, you can sort of see their, their point on a little bit more. And maybe it's a great idea. Maybe it's not a great idea. I think, um, I think it's just about having really respectful conversations and not just saying like, Oh, shut up. This isn't, you know, this isn't about you. It's about us or, you know, or or on the opposite side of things saying like, well, we're paying, we have the, we get to say what, what happens. I just, I don't think any good comes out of speaking like that. Now I'm not saying it's not going to happen because emotions are flying and we all say things when we're stressed that we don't mean. But, um, I think it's, it's so important to sort of, (sighs) oh man, to unpack it (laughs) (laughs) and really really talk about it. I know. Oh, gross. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I, I I think it's a tough thing. One thing I see a lot, um, whether it's, it's, I think it comes down mostly to family. Also maybe Mm -hmm. some friends is, is this fear of, of who gets a plus one and whether or not kids are invited. I think that's a really big stressor for a lot of couples is, is sort of having to say, I'm sorry, best friend, or I'm sorry, extended cousin, but I, we can't, we can't extend a plus one to you. Cause if we extend a plus one to you, we have to extend it to everybody. Or if we invite your kids, we have to invite everybody's kids. And it's just not something we're able to do. Yeah, I hear that. That was a, that was a big stressor for Rachel and I, as we were heading into our wedding planning and, it ultimately ended up coming down that we decided against it after we talked to a few of our friends and family. We decided to not invite kids. So we invited all of our cousins and their significant others. And uh, to our surprise, and this is the reason why we ended up not inviting kids, a lot of them told us that they welcomed a night where they they were able to give their kids to a sitter, that they were able to you know, get away from their kids a little bit and connect again as a couple and enjoy a night, uh, you know, no kids and and love on each other a little bit, you know? 
Exactly. And uh, honestly, unless your guest list is a, is a total count of 10, you will never fully please every single person on your guest list. Yeah. It's important to be hospitable and, and really take their experience into full consideration, but you will never make every single person happy. You will not feed the one meal that every single person absolutely loves or the one drink yep. that everyone loves, but you just want to take their experience into consideration. And I'm going to get up on my, my little itty bitty soapbox here. And I have been developing this concept for quite some time now. And I, I want to share a little bit of it with you. Dan and I were talking before we recorded this episode that um, if it this. interests, yeah, if it interests anyone, we're going to, we're going to break it down a little bit further in future episodes. But I really feel like the foundation to having a great party, whether it's a wedding and a, an event of any kind, um, but to really make people happy is comes down to four principles. And that's giving them food, giving them something to drink, alcoholic or not, entertaining them, and keeping them comfortable. Those are the four things it comes down to. All right, pay attention. Danielle's about to drop some knowledge. <laughs> oh, can I like drop my mic when I'm done? No, Boom. I'll break it. <laughs> so, all right. So let's talk about giving them food. Right. When they show up, um, I think, you know, depending on, on where everything is happening, if you're in a situation where you can, I think it's awesome to give them like a little snack or a little treat. I've seen people have little like popcorn things or pretzel things, little things that just say, welcome to our wedding, have a little snacky snack. Um, mm -hmm. If you're not able to do that, which is understandable, make sure once you get the party going that they're not waiting forever for something to eat. If you're doing a lot of formalities back to back to back, make sure there's food in there. Make sure you're keeping things going. Yep. And you, yep. you don't necessarily have to have this like four course meal in order to like be like, okay, we gave them food and like, okay, they had a great time. Really an awesome salad and a beautiful entree is what many couples opt for, for their wedding so that there's more time for dancing. So yep. it's, it's give them food and have a good time. And if you're like, want like some brownie points, I think is really cool. Think about the end of the night too. So after the dinner and the dessert, maybe consider a late night snack as guests are leaving to, you know, help up, soak up some of the alcohol and hit a little like late night craving. <laughs> I've seen um like pizza, pretzels, fried donuts, uh, ice cream, French fries. I've seen ice cream and French fries because those two things together, I think are brilliant. Dan, do you ever have <laughs> ice cream and French fries? Uh -huh. I've seen like milkshakes so and french fries. Yes. Oh, delicious. I want to go back to something you said about not needing like a four course meal, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And in order to save time, you know, feeding people as early as possible is is a preset salad, something that venues do like normally do. Like, how does that work? Is that something okay. that couples can ask for? How does that work? OK, so let's first explain what a preset salad is. So on your average um, event, there's usually a first course, a second course, and dessert. Your first course is usually a salad. So your right. first course, in order to save time, can be preset, meaning it's already at the table as guests are entering into the room. So when they sit down, they immediately start eating. They don't have to wait for a server to come and place that food in front of them. So there's two schools of thought really with this. One is they sit down, they start eating, and the, and, and it's, it's one less thing to have to wait to come out to serve. But... What I see a lot is what ends up happening is um, sometimes guests don't eat yet because no one has sort of given them the 
the dinner bell hasn't rung to give them the okay to eat. So they're sort of waiting. Uh, so what ends up happening is now they're just sitting there with this food in front of them. Some people have eaten, some people haven't, but sometimes it doesn't get touched. I'm seeing that more and more. And I, and those mm. past weekend, we actually, uh, the flower or not the flower girl, the maid of honor was, um, the bride's 14 year old daughter. And she oh. was going to give a toast. And I, tell you what she gave an amazing toast for being 14 she gave a better toast than some adults i've seen at weddings <laughs> anyway right before she went up to get of a toast i'm looking around and we did a preset salad and no one's eating so i whispered in her ear and i was like when you go up there tell them to start eating their salads and she went up there and like perfect timing she's like uh so i have to tell you guys you need to eat <laughs> and then she went into like and everybody <laughs> laughed and it was a good time and everybody then started eating and she got to give her toast so I think it's really important. And if you are doing a preset salad and you are also doing a blessing, I would consider right away having that person give a blessing as soon as everybody comes into the room so that person can say, okay, now we can begin eating or somehow giving the like thumbs up, like eat, eat, eat. <laughs> it's always a big thing. So I think it, it can save time, but I think it doesn't save as much time as you think. That's okay. my opinion on it. Um, okay, so then moving on to the second, which is give them something to drink, whether yep. it's alcohol, lubricate them a little bit, or or right. not alcoholic at all. Right. I like building on a day, so I don't necessarily think right away you need to throw all this alcohol down their throats. And if you're not having an alcoholic wedding, if you're doing a dry wedding, then f forget that entirely. But water um, will go a long way. I, I really think like if it's going to be a hot day, a few bottles of water and like a dispenser of lemonade, lemonade will be super appreciated as your guests show up for your ceremony. Like if you're in a hot church, if you're in, an, in a field outside, those little things are really going to make it like awesome for them. And you, you don't have to too, like talking more about the alcohol side of things, you don't have to offer a full bar in order to for the guests to say, oh, that was a very great wedding. Just consider some beer, wine, and a signature cocktail or two. Keep it easy, but give them something to drink. Oh, especially too, if you're giving them something to eat at any point, they should have something to drink and vice versa. Like if you're giving yep. them something alcoholic to drink, make sure there's something for them to eat to sort of soak up that alcohol because you don't want anybody getting crazy well maybe you do no judges but still yeah and if you go back if you want to listen to episode 31 which we just just released a little bit ago called let's talk about booze we spent a whole episode talking about booze and different ways that you can give people drinks and different um ways different kinds of bars you can do full bar beer wine uh beer wine and a signature drink so there's lots of different options um if if you don't want to do a full bar um so check that out episode 31 Exactly. So next up, I want to talk about entertaining them. If you want everyone to dance at your wedding, a great band or DJ is hands down the way to go. An yep. iPod and sound system is a good option for dinner or for cocktail music when everyone's chatting. But I will promise you, oh man, that's a hefty statement. Well, I will, I would bet that it won't get everyone excited to get out and boogie and like get out on the dance floor not in the same way anyway that a great band or DJ will. So if you want to really entertain them, that's the way to go. But at the same time, if dancing isn't your thing, there are so, so many ways to still entertain your guests. I've done casino tables. I've We've brought in arcade games, board games, strolling magicians, not the cheesy ones. There, there's so <laughs> many different things you can do that suit your personality, that are enjoyable to you that you can still entertain your guests. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to dance. 
And that doesn't – yeah, exactly. And that, that doesn't mean that you can't do both. So if you want to have right. a, a DJ or a band you know, for the whole night for people who are dancing and then have um, – you know, a cigar bar, a whiskey tasting bar. You want to have lawn games. You want to have a separate room somewhere that has something for people to do. Um, you know, some weddings, like people are on that dance floor for three hours. Sometimes it's, um, you know, half the people are sitting at tables, half the people are dancing. Uh, and give people something to do who are sitting at the tables. Um, give people options. There's there's really no rules when it comes to how to entertain people. Um, giving them a variety might be a nice way to go. Exactly. Great point, Dan. All right. Last one. And then I promise I will step down from my soapbox is (laughs) keeping them comfortable. So we gave them food. We gave them something to drink. We've entertained them. And throughout this whole process, we have to keep them comfortable. Now, obviously, those three three things come down to keeping them comfortable. But it's things like thinking about the weather. Are they going to be sitting out in the hot sun waiting for your ceremony to start? Can you provide some sort of shade or like a fan? People love Mm -hmm. fans when they're sitting out in the sun. Is it going to get chilly at night? Can you provide like a shawl or pashminas to keep, you know, to keep those bare shoulders warm? What about those stand-up heaters? What can you do? Do you have to walk outside for the bathrooms? Should you provide some umbrellas in case it rains so people can walk back and forth easily? If you're going back to an outdoor wedding if it's supposed to be hot and humid um get some fans fans do a great job at moving air keeping the bugs away um speaking of bugs is there something you can have the space sprayed if it's really buggy or like tiki torches or maybe you provide a little thing of bug spray in the bathrooms um really when it comes to weather i always say like always 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 have a plan b and often a plan c we talk Mm -hmm. about that more go back to episode four preparing for bad weather on your wedding day but Really, it's it's. I think a lot about keeping people comfortable is about has to do with the weather, in my opinion. But it's just about making sure that they're good and not saying, "Well, who cares if they have to wait out in the sun for me to get married? Like it's my wedding. They'll, you know, they just have to wait." Well, okay, they have to wait, but how can you make them comfortable? Yeah, I like that, Danielle. I appreciate that. Thank you for um, Thank you. getting up on that soapbox. We much appreciate it. I like. I'm surprised good. I didn't take trip. a bow. Yes. Take a bow. Good job. Well done. Um, and just before we move on to the next one, maybe having the spotlight on you is probably, I think, where we should go next. Um, the right. one thing I just want to add uh, really quick is that pleasing everyone is completely different than trying to impress everyone. So just right. let that marinate. Think about that. that. Okay, John, moving on. Marinate in some juices. Okay, let's okay. talk about Dan having the spotlight on you. Not you, so, Dan. Our well, listeners. I mean... <laughs> The spotlight can't always be on me. Um, so for many despite of us, despite your best uh, efforts, <laughs> despite my best efforts, um, I was trying to just make this the Dan talks about weddings podcast. But Danielle mm-hmm. was like, "No, we should probably." <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not actually. <laughs> anyway, um, for many of us, uh, I think that we enjoy the spotlight. Like I very much enjoy the spotlight. Um, but forever, but for others. Um, And I think that's why we make such good co-hosts because we balance each other out nicely. Um, The thought of having everyone look at us the entire day or whether you're standing in your super fancy outfit or whatever is – and while you're making this intense commitment in front of all these people and your partner and then dance and do all this stuff and put this big show on is terrifying. Isn't it, Danielle? (laughs) For me – I think for for many of us in the world, we think it's going to feel one way. um, And sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But I I think it's just the thought of it for some people is is pretty scary. Yeah. Who's afraid of tripping? Who's afraid of like, I have to dance in front of who and 
all these things, it's, it's a lot. And I think sometimes you can really fester in those thoughts and make it, make it even worse for yourself. Oh, as my, my best buddy, Newt Scamander, for all my Harry Potter, Fantastic Beast fans listening out there, Newt Scamander, who's from Fantastic Beast, has a great quote. And he says, my philosophy is that worrying means you suffer twice. So I don't live by that rule, but I think it's a pretty cool uh, philosophy, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So if you are that person who who's a worrier, who's a, an overthinker, doesn't really want that spotlight on them, there's actually some things you can do um, to help alleviate those fears and some mm-hmm. things you can do to, to maybe take that pressure off of you and, and focus on something else. Yeah, one thing you could do, just super simple, is just opt for a smaller guest list. Less people means less eyes and um, maybe even keep your wedding party on the smaller side too so the whole process just doesn't become so overwhelming, you know? Right, exactly. Um, and, and photography specific, you know, schedule an engagement session or as I like to call them, forever sessions um, with your photographer so you can just get more comfortable with them. Think about it, you know, if your photographer may potentially be there for 8, 10, 12, 16 hours um, and may spend more time with one of you than your significant other, right? So you at least have to stand them. You have to like their pictures. You also have to like them as a person. So just getting comfortable with them, talking to them once or twice, a couple times on the phone, and then you know maybe also their engagement session and then doing their your engagement session, meeting with them in person just so you're comfortable with this person who who's going to be around you for many hours on this one day, you know? Mm-hmm. I think too, uh, you really, I would recommend wearing something that you feel comfortable and don't opt for something that's uncomfortable or isn't really you. It'll, it's only going to make you feel more like everyone is looking at you. Like, do you ever have those days where you wear something funky and you just like, you're not feeling it. You feel like yep. everyone's looking at you, judging your, your yep. attire choices, your fashion choices in life. They aren't, but it's that feeling. And I think don't feel like you have to wear something specific if it's not who you are. So if you, um, can I interject there about that specific thing? Uh, I was on a flight home, uh, from a wedding recently and I had only one shirt left and I didn't realize that, um, the shirt was a little small on me uh, and it was a button down shirt. And as I was flying, I noticed that like when I would sit back that the buttons would get like somewhat stretched open and you could see my belly through it. So for like six hours on two different flights, I just took the little blanket pouch that they had and just put it over my stomach because the whole entire time I was like, I'm sitting here. Everybody's looking at me. The stewardess, every time she walks up and asks me if I need something is like, ah, look at this guy with his belly hanging out of his shirt. Um, so yeah, I definitely know what that's like. And imagine if that was in a much bigger situation where it's 200 people. Um, yeah. So like what you said, just you know, find something. And someone was like taking your picture the whole time and like toasting to you and, and like (sighs) playing all this music for you. Yeah. Another thing. And this is something that I have become increasingly aware of is the need just to focus on your partner and to, I've been calling them wedding day timeouts. So whenever I talk with couples right before the wedding, I say like, find time to sneak away and and do your thing. If you're having a wedding coordinator, tell them that this is a priority and they need to schedule, you know, 15 minutes in it. Um, in, in traditional Jewish weddings, there's this thing right after the ceremony called the Yuhid. If you're Jewish um, and you know how this is exactly pronounced and I'm not pronouncing it right, just let me know. Um, give us a call and you can tell me exactly how to pronounce it. But it's um, 
it's this little time after the ceremony where the couple just gets locked in a room and they they talk and they connect with each other. And I think it's such a beautiful way to honor that day and honor the person you're with. Um, just this past May, I think I talked about this on a recent episode as well. Um, this couple, Sarah and Andrew, found a little section of the property they were getting married on, this little nice little uh, porch that overlooks a meadow. And they took 20 minutes after the ceremony and just sat there and they they walked over there and they both bawled their eyes out for a little bit and they hugged and they cried and they kissed and then they um, uh, the wedding venue brought over some food for them to nom on and I didn't say a single thing but I photographed it during that time and they are photographically if you didn't know what was going on it, they're not like the most amazing photographs it's just them sitting there like on this bench overlooking a me- you know a meadow but to them those photographs are so meaningful and they told me that that was the time of day they were looking forward to most. So I would say if you get overwhelmed or you're really worried about something, just focus on your significant other. Remember that that's the entire reason for this day and that this is the person that's going to be spending the rest of your life with you. So honor them and take a minute to sneak away. Um, and if you're open to doing a first look uh, so you don't have to get out all those emotions at, you know, the ceremony when you first see each other and you can get some of those emotions out a little bit early do a first look and and spend that time just connecting the two of you where you're not as in front of all these other people so you can do these this next part together exactly i think two first looks allow you to spend a little bit more of the day together it gives you a little bit more time together so i like that too um, mm-hmm. Okay, last thing I think is a good idea if you're worried about the spotlight is to definitely do the ceremony rehearsal, whether it's the day before, two days before, whatever it is. And not this rehearsal dinner. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the actual rehearsal of the ceremony. Walking through it once, even just once, should ease a really good deal of stress and, and overwhelm. Yep. Um, I like to say at the rehearsals, like, this is the time to, like, trip, go the wrong way, ask questions. <laughs> like, this is when we're going to work it out. It's it's a good time um, to really just figure out, what do we do? <laughs> You've probably yeah. never been in that situation before, so you don't know what to do. But that's what the rehearsal's for, is to work all that out. And really, it's also a good time to practice your first kiss. Because... While there may not be everyone who's attending your wedding at your rehearsal, or at least I would hope not, you do have a few people there. And if you're not a person who's super comfortable with public displays of affection, um, kiss at the rehearsal. Don't skip it. Just do it and yeah. and work it out. It Big time. Yeah. That way you're not so in your head when it's the actual ceremony itself. Yeah. and Though I will say, I've I've had couples who are like, a little nervous about the first kiss and I've watched them at their ceremony and they were so wrapped up in the moment they had they zoned out everyone around them and just like loved on each other and it was wonderful so again sometimes as humans we have a tendency to think we're going to act one way or feel one way in a certain situation when until we've been in that situation it's really tough to say for sure yeah and there's no way that you can practice the whole wedding day um Mm -hmm. and Danielle you have this really awesome saying that I love about like the perfect day and how no wedding day goes exactly right. So that actually leads us to our fourth stressor, which is the pressure of perfection. Mm -hmm. So your wedding day is a 24 hour day, just like any other day where things will go right and things will go wrong. But I firmly believe that it's nearly impossible to have like a truly perfect day. And when we put the pressure on a day for that, it needs to be perfect, then it seems even more of an impossible task. So 
really, if you look at it and you put the pressure of it that it needs to be perfect, you can always go back and say, well, if only this went differently or if only this had gone better, like even by like the smallest percentage, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. And I hate that there's so much pressure in the wedding industry world that like, oh, it's going to be the most perfect day of your lives because, yeah, it's perfect's tough. Focus on the good, right? Focus on what you can control. And if you want some good examples of how couples have reframed some crappy things that have happened on their wedding day, go back and check out the Bad Weather episode, which is episode four, um, and listen to Kristen and Joe um, and Amanda and Mark just talk about how their how uh, a freak snowstorm in October that ruined the power to the reception venue, how they overcame that, and then how Hurricane Irene affected Amanda and Mark's wedding and how they overcame that and how they reframed and made the best of it. Exactly. Um, And I bet if you still ask both of them, they would say that now they're great stories and it was still an amazing day in their lives. Right. I think think what it comes down to is setting realistic expectations for yourself. It's, It's... as a Virgo and to my fellow Virgos out there, I get it that we strive for perfection and um, it's just so ingrained in us that like it needs to be perfect. It needs to be perfect. It needs to be perfect. But really perfection is just such an unattainable thing when you really step back and think of it. So set those realistic expectations. Please do not compare your wedding to anyone else's, especially Pinterest wedding. (laughs) like Because they're not real. So much of the stuff you see on Pinterest, guys, is not real. It's it's staged and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, but maybe it's just not realistic for what you have. You can it can inspire you. It can do all these wonderful things, but that's really what it comes down to. And and if you're stuck, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to make something better or make it feel feel like it's going to add to the day. Go back to those four things I talked about. Give them food, give them drink, entertain them and keep them comfortable. If it mm-hmm. if you can hit one or, or more of those things, then it's great. You you yeah. you're you're heading towards a successful day. And I also have to say, please hire a planner or a coordinator because that <laughs> way you don't have to deal with any of the hiccups that will inevitably happen on a wedding day. I had yeah. in my career, I could probably count on one hand the a day where everything just fell into line exactly how it was supposed to with barely any hiccup or blip in the matrix, if you will, whatsoever. Otherwise, no matter how hard we plan and prepare (laughs) and do all this stuff, things have and will continue to go wrong. Um, Not by any ill intention, just because human error you know, or, or yeah. not human error, I guess, but just because there's some things that are outside of your control, a traffic accident, uh, 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 a weather thing. It's, there's so much. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if any of these things sound like, like something you're going through, if you're stressing about money or if you're worried about pleasing everybody or being in front of everybody, or, um, you're worried about everything being perfect or having this spotlight on you. Um, we just want to go over a couple of things now that are really going to hopefully help you to navigate that stress and maybe help you just to avoid it altogether. Um, most important, every single one of these things that we've talked about, um, the first thing that we talked about was communication. Just open communication, whether you're stressed or upset or freaking out or um, so many of these things could just be solved with just a simple conversation saying, this is the page I'm on. How can we both get on this same page? Or, um, or get off this, this is page. The, 
Yeah, or get I off this page. I want to be on this or, page. Yeah, or, or um, this is the page that we are on as a couple. Now, mom and dad or step-parents or whoever, um, how, how can we find a way that we can all work together and make this the best day possible for us? Um, it's just so, so much can be cleared up with just a simple conversation. Nobody's a mind reader. So just express what's on your heart and express what's on your mind. And that'll be the best first step you could possibly take. I hear sometimes um, that one partner or another will say like, oh, I'm not interested in this thing. I'll just let you do that. Um, and I think that that is a I'm just going to say wrong. Um, I think that's a wrong way to, <laughs> to look at this problem. Just because you're not interested in something, just because that that thing isn't important to you doesn't mean that you shouldn't still be interested in helping your partner. So if your partner comes to you and says like, hey, um, what do you think of this napkin color? Or uh, what do you think of this awesome band? And you don't have an opinion. I think the best response in that situation is not oh, I don't care, do whatever you want, but rather um, just engaging in the conversation and just asking, what do you like about them? What do you not like about them? And just just exploring why your significant other likes this or does not like this, and then um, just just going from there. I think whenever, if I, if I could think of my own personal experience, whenever I'm talking to Mike about something and looking for his opinion, I'm looking for someone to talk through it with, right? So yeah. as you're going through and you're planning this thing, sometimes maybe you just like if your partner's asking you about something and you could really care less about it, maybe just help ask those questions to help them talk themselves through it. To either talk themselves into it or talk themselves out of it, whatever it needs to be. But maybe maybe that's maybe that's what part of what being that good partner is. I love that. Just being well, supportive. You making them think, making them talk through it and, and not just shutting it down and, and putting it all on their shoulders. Cause you could, you could care less, but I think they do want your opinion or they want your permission maybe too. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. You know what um, I think is really important uh, to, to sort of deal with the stress of planning a wedding is to plan non wedding date nights where you, you can talk about anything you want except for the wedding. Um, I, I think doing that is really important because what will happen is after the wedding is over, we've talked about this before. Um, in episode 15, we talk about the post-wedding blues and we we, yeah. <laughs> we we talk about it a whole lot more in that episode. But it's when you're planning this wedding, after the wedding is over, you've realized every conversation you've had with your partner has been consumed with wedding, 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 wedding. That once the wedding's over, you look at your partner and go, Oh, uh, what do we have to talk about now? <laughs> like, the, <laughs> right? And so many people will, will relate that to like, oh, the fire has died, and now that we're married, we're not exciting anymore. And that is so not it. It's just you've been planning this large project for a long time, and it's consumed your whole life. That now you need something new to talk about. So if you still maintain those non-wedding date nights, it'll help in combating that once the wedding is over. One of my favorite work-life balance principles um, is owning your calendar. Uh, mm. And so with myself, um, I used to get to this point where like maybe a session was canceled or a, a meeting was canceled. And then all of a sudden I'd be scrounging and running around saying like, hey, Rachel, I have a free night now. Let's do something together. 
And it's like we throw this like last minute thing. We run out to dinner really quick. We weren't planning for it. And I realized that it was completely wrong, right? Like, and this, I think this goes to the same way as the wedding where the wedding takes over just like work can often take over your lives. If you don't schedule you time first, if you don't schedule time with your, your significant other first, it's really easy to just let it fall by the wayside. So by owning your calendar, I mean, schedule you time first. Everything goes in there. Maybe if you need to schedule you time first or if you need to schedule one night a week that is all you do is focus on on wedding planning and then you go back to your regular lives for the remainder of the week, do that. Um, but just, just have a place where you both can look at the calendar, look at this thing and say, okay, this is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to be organized. We're going to do um, the seating chart You know, this night and this night and then the other nights, they're ours. Exactly. This this idea of owning your calendar and getting all of this uh, free time and scheduling everything will work really well until you get close to your wedding where you'll likely need to invest a, a bit more time into the actual planning process. So just be aware that like in that crunch time, what do you say, like maybe those last two, three months maybe, um, it starts ramping up and getting more and more? Uh, the last three months are definitely more and more. I think the last like three, four weeks is when – yeah. It, 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 you'll feel it really starting to take over. Work will become, you know, a little bit more on the back burner if it's able to. And it, that that's really a crunch time. I That's why we can't stress enough. Well, I can't stress enough not to procrastinate on stuff during that, like, during that time before that final month. The more you can get done, the more you can decide on and, and cross off your list, the better you're going to set yourself up for those few final weeks. Um, really, I talked about it a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but I'm learning more about how important it is to take care of yourself and to take time to breathe. I some self-care is is something I've personally underestimated for a very very long time, too long probably in fact. And really knowing yourself, maintaining a good exercise routine, eating well, taking care of your skin, your nails, even getting yourself like little couples massages along the way. They're all really great things for refocusing and being more productive. And I mean, that's maybe that's me personally, those are the things that help me feel good, but I think it's also, um, you know, maybe you're a person that like shopping helps you to de-stress, though that doesn't really help with the budget side of things. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> maybe it's it's going for a drive in the car, um, getting out and going walk. for a bike ride, a little walk. Exactly. Those little things that just help you to recenter and refocus. Um, I also really want to share and then I'll shut up. <laughs> but I really want to share uh, one of my favorite podcasts. It's called The Minimalists. It's with um, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. And they they actually have a great documentary currently on Netflix called Minimalism, the documentary. So if you're interested in, in learning about them, I think that's a good way to start. But they also have um, a ton of, of podcast episodes and two in particular, one on dealing with stress and the other of um, the feeling of being overwhelmed, which we're going to link to all this stuff in our show notes. But both of those episodes are excellent, excellent episodes to listen to. They're not wedding related in any sense. They're they're just more life related, but brilliant, brilliant um, episodes. The whole podcast to me is brilliant, um, but must listens to in, in my opinion. Yeah. And then our final point, and this is something that Danielle and I have both come to realize is, is so important in our uh, lives. We both use it as a resource um, in in our relationships is uh, this book called The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Um, I think it really comes down to like, you know, this wedding planning stuff takes over. It's so much. It's so 
so much going on. It takes over every part of your being. And then, like you said, Danielle, after the wedding, it's like, okay, well, now what? Who almost like who are you? Um, what do we talk about now? What what do we do? And this book really breaks down like how to get into sync with your significant other, um, knowing your love language, knowing your partner's love language will make a huge difference in in dealing with stress both before, during, and after your, your wedding planning process. Um, and just, it really underlines the, the need to be there for each other and speak in a way that your significant other understands. Well said, Dan. Thank you. Nailed it. Whew. Guys, we hope you... Well, I really hope that you guys are listening to this episode and feeling a little bit better, feeling like you're not alone in the things that you're feeling and and just feeling like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Or even if you've taken one little, little teeny, teeny, tiny nugget away from today, that makes us so happy. Um, this is a positive episode. Yes, yeah, exactly. It is. So Let's bring it up. As, End up on a high note. Go. Yep. So, ooh, get excited. As always, visit the puttingonitpodcast.com <laughs> website. <laughs> Special Woo. thanks to our season sponsor, the Naughty Tie Company, which offers custom ties, bow ties, and pocket squares. They're amazing. Yes. And speaking of season, next episode is the last episode for the season. We are doing our Q&A episode. We've already received such amazing questions that we are going to be putting into this episode. If you can send us your questions by September 22nd, we will do our best to get them into the Q&A episode for you so you can get your question answered on air, which is super exciting. I think it'd be super exciting. It's very exciting. Um, and we're super excited because the Q&A episodes are really fun for us. Yeah, we love um, them. So we're going to round out this episode so that the next episode we do is going to be the Q&A episode. Dun, dun, dun. Then we have a little break until season four. Yeah, Aww. we do. Um. Yeah, we're excited. Um, thanks so much for tuning in this week, and we will see you guys in two weeks. Bye-bye. On the flip side, bye, y'all. Why couldn't the toilet paper cross the road? Why? You got stuck in a crack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the keeper. <laughs>